Well, good morning, countryside. How's everybody doing today? If you're visiting for the first time, will you raise your hand? We want to welcome all those that are visiting with us today. God bless you. Lots of people, first service. I want to welcome all those that are watching online as well. We have a huge online community that literally are watching from around the world. We welcome you. You're part of our family. We love you very, very, very much. Are you enjoying this Christmas season so far? This side says yes, this is unsure. Um, it is busy. I thought Elaine's word today was right on time. I want to encourage everybody just to take a deep breath. Relax. As we're in church, we're away from the hustle and bustle. This week I went to Kohl's. And listen, when, when, it, when shopping went online, Cyber Monday, all that, I was like, man, sign me up for that. Because I hate the traffic, I hate going in. People are, you know, they're supposed to be like showing love and Merry Christmas and all that. Well, I pulled in, just before I pull into my spot, somebody cuts me off, they almost hit me. And they're yelling at me, I'm just like, I'm driving perfectly. <laughs> and then as I got a, in my car, I was looking to make sure I had my coupon. <laughs> and as I was walking across the street, somebody bears on the horn and I'm like, hey, I'm sorry got to get my coupon. They're like, <laughs> and then I walk in, people are like walking around and they're mad. I mean, this is supposed to be a good time of the year, right? So countryside, put a big smile on your face. It's good to be in the house of the Lord and it's good not to be in coals today. Amen. Well, I do want to let you know, next week we have a very, very special service planned. We've done this for the last three years. This will be our fourth year where Pastor Tim, my wife Elaine, and myself will be doing a three-part service in the message. In between the message parts, there's um, going to be carols that are going to be sung. It's really a beautiful service to come to just before Christmas. Enjoy the peace of the Lord. It's special. And as some people describe it as even better than Christmas Eve, which Christmas Eve, how many are coming to Christmas Eve service? That's one service you do not want to miss. You want to invite your friends, your family. You want to share our ad on Facebook, Instagram. Invite everyone. There are people that are called CEO Christians. Now, a lot of people, they thought when I said that first service that I was talking about a certain type of business leader when I said CEO. And then I explain, no, what a CEO is in the Christian kingdom is Christmas and Easter only. So there are people around us that will go to church on Christmas and Easter. And let me tell you, we put on a spectacular, magnificent production that is going to be engaging. They're going to be impressed. They're going to love it. It's going to bring the kingdom of heaven down to earth on that night. But what they hear is a clear gospel message that night that truly is to challenge them to get out of the CEO world and to get into the body of Christ where there is fullness of joy. Don't you think that's a great idea? So I want to encourage you to invite anyone. You know, we have all kinds of cards that you can pass out, but let's do our part. I always say that. We're going to do our very best. I'm going to challenge the church to do their very best, and we're looking forward to having four full services on Christmas Eve. It's going to be beautiful. So this week, we are in part three of a message series called The Gift. Are you ready to get into God's Word? Let's hold up our Bibles. Maybe it's on your phone, whatever you're looking at the Word with today. Father, we thank you for your Word today. 
Let it pour into our hearts. We didn't come here to be the same. We came here to be changed by your word. So let the word of God do what it's meant to accomplish today. It's not going to return void, but it's going to feed your sheep. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we've been doing is looking at the account in Matthew, Matthew chapter 2, where we see where the, the wise men are coming to bear gifts to the king. And in this section of scripture, it talks about the gifts that were given in gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let's look at this as we review our text for this series in Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 10. It says, when they, the wise men, saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened up their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so what we've done in this series is to take those three gifts, which were significant, valuable, practical, prophetic gifts that were given to Jesus when he was a young child at his birth. And last week, Pastor Andrew talked a little bit about maybe he wasn't quite a newborn, but maybe a toddler at the time that these gifts were were given to him. So to review quickly, the first gift we talked about was frankincense. Frankincense was such an important gift because it was a prophetic gift talking about Jesus as the, the high priest for us. Back in Bible times in the Old Testament, there was a big veil that was huge and thick. And the priests had to go behind the veil into the Holy of Holies, and they had to go through all of these different things that were religious acts to get into the presence of God and then burn the frankincense, and the smoke that would go up would represent the prayers of the people. But you see, when Jesus came and gave his life for you and for me, the veil was torn. And as believers, we are called to go boldly into the, before the King of kings and Lord of lords, into the throne when we have direct access to God through Jesus. No longer do we have to go to a priest or anyone else. As a believer in Christ, we go right to the source, Jesus Christ. The, tail, the, the veil has been torn, and we have access to Christ, and we need to go and use that access every single day. Can you say amen? amen. Last week, Pastor Andrew did a great, great job as he talked about myrrh. And he talked about in detail what Jesus did for us through his suffering. Myrrh, it represented what Jesus was going to do on the cross for us. It was an embalming agent. It was an agent that could dull the pain when he was on that cross. But it was an important thing because it represented Jesus as our suffering servant. Jesus who came to earth as the perfect Lamb of God to give his life as sacrifice for all of mankind, for you and for me. That's the God that we serve. And today we're going to be talking about the gold. The gold was so significant and it was so valuable because of its scarcity. And it was valuable because it would help them in really great times of need. But the prophetic gift that it was saying and what it was mentioning was that it was a gift for a king, Jesus Christ, the true king of kings. You can look throughout history. Before Jesus, there were a lot of kings. After Jesus, there were a lot of kings. But I want you to know there is only one true king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. So today, 
Is it okay to have a little fun in church? I want to include you guys in a little game that's called Name That King. How many remember Name That Tune? Oh, yeah, I used to, Kathy Lee Gifford, she got her start on Name That Tune back when game shows were real in the 70s. Amen? Amen. Thank you for letting me just delve back into my childhood. Name That King today. So when you think of Simba, what do you think? Is the picture coming up? Okay, there we go. Follow me, track with me closely back on the, the sound, if you would. If you think of a gorilla, you think of King Kong. This side seems to be more in touch with this right now. Come on. This side was more in Christmas spirit than this side. Okay, let's, let's equal it up. The next one is a very important one to my childhood. Oh, oh Burger King. Hold the pickles, hold the lettuce, special orders don't upset us. You know, they say that, first service, they're like, what is that? That was a commercial from my childhood. But the funny thing is, whenever I would ask for something different, they're like, oh, no tomato. I'm like, and then literally, I would go into Burger King and say, I have a special order. And then I would go, hold the pickles, hold the lettuce. And they're like, hey, we know, we know, we know. All right, if you think of horror novels, who do you think of? You think of Stephen King. If you think of an interview person that interviews people, you think of? All right, basketball. When you think of basketball, who is the king? King? I like that. I like that. So people over here, they said, Michael Jordan. That actually isn't the king, that's the goat, the greatest of all time, amen? But I will say LeBron thinks that he's the king, so let's just let him think that he's the king if that's what he wants. I know there's going to be some LeBron fans that are going to be upset with that little segment right there, which I want to apologize biblically because that's what I'm supposed to do. If you have any complaints about that section of this message, please email me directly at tofallon at countryside.cc. And I'm sure we will answer that directly, won't we, Pastor Tim? Thank you. If you are into blues, who do you think of? I'm sorry. I messed it up. Go back. That was my bad. For all the boomers, when you think of tennis, who do you think of? And then blues, B.B. King. And when you think of a great jazz singer, who is it? Nat King Cole. Google that. Smooth, smooth. And for the young people in here, the last rap album by Kanye West was... You know, I'm really, I'm really grateful that you listen to mainly contemporary Christian music, Countryside, great job. But that rap album was called Jesus is King. So you can talk about all these kings that you want. There's kings everywhere, but there is only one true king. The wise men brought gifts to a king like no other. Our king. Our king. First Timothy, we see Paul talking about this great king in First Timothy chapter 6, verse 15. For so just at the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. 
If you look at that in the Greek context, there is no other way that Paul could have described our King of Kings and Lord of Lords with any more power, authority, and emphasis than the way he wrote it in the original Greek. You see, Jesus is the supreme authority over all kingdoms of this world. Over the entire universe, it's in the hands of King Jesus. We serve a king like no other king. But let me tell you what the Jews expected of their king. The Jews expected their king to be born in a palace, surrounded by wealth, luxury, comfort. Truly, our king would be born in luxury with a crib loaded with this the silky purple representing royalty, maybe a Gucci onesie that he would be put on him at birth. No one expected the King of Kings and Lord of Lords to be born in poverty, in a cave, with farm animals. Imagine what that smelled like. That's where the King of the Jews would be born? They didn't expect their Savior, the Messiah, their King, to come from Nazareth. Nathaniel commented in Scripture where he says, nothing good ever comes from the city of Nazareth. Born a son of a carpenter? Really? No royalty in his bloodline there? No one predicted the Son of God, King of glory, would befriend prostitutes? Touch lepers, love the, those that the religious institution rejected. No one imagined a king who would choose uneducated fishermen, despise tax collectors, rebellious troublemakers to be the ones he called to be closest to him as his disciples. To forgive a woman publicly of adultery? You see, the law said that she must be stoned. But Jesus at the same time confronted the Pharisees and said, he who is without sin, go for it. You cast the first stone. He would go into a temple that was being abused for personal profit, and he would overturn the tables with a righteous anger and say, God's house is not meant for this. See, they never imagined the king of the Jews to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey? A donkey. The king, royalty, he should be riding in on a great stallion, but no, not, not our king. Not the king of the Jews. He came into this world in the most humble of fashions. Humility. A man that oftentimes would say, I didn't come here to be served. I've come here to serve. You see, the ones that were cheering that day, when he rode on that donkey, it was the outcasts. It was the overlooked. It was the immoral. It was the rejected. The least likely to get the attention of a king got the greatest attention from the king of kings and the Lord of lords. No one would expect our king, king of the Jews, to stand trial for crimes he did not commit. An innocent man who would be beaten, scourged, bruised, whipped, stripped naked, 
hang on a cross like a slave and die a criminal's death. No, that can't be the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That while he was on that cross, think of the example that he gave to all of us, where he looked at those that had just beat him and scourged him, rejected him, spat upon him, and he looked at them and said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. We hold unforgiveness for people that defriended us on Facebook. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. When he was offered a drink to dull the pain, he rejected that drink because he knew that he was taking on the sin of all of mankind, and he wanted to take on the full pain of what he was going through because this was the perfect lamb sacrificed for us. You see, the expected king would rule and reign. That's what an expected king would do. But our king, Jesus, came to live a perfect life and to die and give his life up on a cross. Who would have thought the earth would shake the sky would grow dark. God would turn his back because he couldn't look at sin. And the world would lose hope. No one would have ever believed that royalty was buried in a borrowed tomb. See, they didn't expect that on the third day when the women would go to check on the tomb that the stone would be rolled away and that our king would rise from the dead. You see, the tomb is empty, Jesus is risen, our king is alive, and he sits on his throne at the right hand of the Father doing intercession for you and for me. You see, when you look at this story, when you look at this first century story in accounts, you see three very different responses for what Jesus did. Now we see over 2,000 years later, God has always been faithful. Culture may have changed, but to be honest with you, the way that we live our lives, we are showing how we are responding the same way that the responses came back in the first century. In your notes, there are three responses to Jesus as king. Number one, Herod opposed Jesus as king. You see, King Herod wanted to guard and protect his own kingship. So he offered a decree that all the boys under the age of two that lived in Bethlehem would be put to death because he heard that there might be a king that would be raised from this area, from that age group that would threaten his throne. He absolutely did everything in his power to oppose Jesus as king. Now you think, wow, that's extreme, but is it really? Sometimes maybe when you talk to a friend and you may invite them to church, and they're like, you know what? I, I really don't need religion. I don't need this God stuff. First of all, I wanna tell you, what I'm preaching to you today, what we preach from the pulpit at Countryside, it is the word of God from Genesis all the way to Revelation. This is God's word that is holy, that is deep, that's encouraging, that's alive. That's what we preach. It's not religion. We're not preaching religion. We're teaching and preaching what it means to have a relationship with God himself through his son, Jesus Christ. That's what we preach. So when people say, you know, I'm, I'm fine on my own. 
What they're doing, they're doing exactly what the king did. He opposed. I don't want to listen. I don't want to listen to some tall guy try to get me to raise my hand at the end of service. I don't want to be reading some outdated book that's going to tell me how I need to live my life. You see, there's people all around us that are opposing Jesus as king. And the way you get them to, to listen is the way you live your life every day in front of them. They're watching you. Is it religion or is it really a life-changing relationship that you are walking out every single day the way that you live, the way that you love, the way that you work, the way that you show Jesus to those around you? You see, that's the greatest witness we can be. Instead of opposing the king, embracing everything that Jesus offers. Amen? Number two, in your notes, the second response was from the Jewish priests. The Jewish priests dismissed Jesus as king. They're like, nope, I don't want any part of that. You see, they quoted scripture like from Micah chapter 5, verse 2, where it was prophesied that our king of kings would come out of Bethlehem. But yet, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, there were priests that were five miles away that didn't even notice that he was there. Just dismissed. You see, the same kind of thing happens in our lives. Man, I'm tired. Church, really? <sighs> You know, I'll catch, it, I'll catch it on the internet. It's easier that way. You want me to read God's word? Pastor Glenn, I'm really not a reader. You know, really, it's, it's kind of long. It seems kind of boring. Listen, I want you to know what this word is. This word is alive. This is God's powerful love letter written to you and to me that offers life, freedom, and hope. Oh, you would like to read God's word today? Ah, I'm not really a night person. I'm not really a morning person. We need to stop saying what we're not and saying who we are. We are God lovers wanting to hear and to read his word. And then we turn Christmas into just an event. You'll see, you'll see. People, thousands of people coming to Christmas Eve service and it's wonderful. But for so many, it's just kind of a pass-through time. It's just scheduling an hour in there. Okay, we're going over for family. We're getting dressed up. We'll go get our pictures taken. And then we end up at Grandma's house. Oh, then it gets going after the service. Get to eat some of Grandma's food. Woo! Hey, let me get a quick selfie with the family real quick. And it just becomes another thing. Pastor Andrew shared it last week. Being a, a Jesus follower is not a hobby. It's how we live our lives every day in love with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the third response is the perfect response. It's the response that we're looking at as we've gone through these three weeks is the wise men bowed to Jesus as King. When they came, their response, it wasn't about their kingdom. It wasn't about their long trip. It wasn't about them being tired or exhausted. Their response is, this is Jesus, the prophesied Messiah, the King of kings and Lord of lords. There's nothing I can do but bow down to him and give him all of my worship and honor 
and reverence because this is Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of the universe. They bowed down and they worshiped him. So as we finish up today, what's your response, really? What's your response? Do you reject Jesus? What are your, your friends and your family, what's their response? Do they dismiss Jesus? Or are you fully embracing who Jesus is and what he wants to be truly as the Lord of your life and the Lord of your heart? Let me tell you, for me, things changed when I was 17 years old and I graduated high school from Countryside High School. For those that have been here in this area, yes, Countryside High School, the real CHS. Tell Donnell that, if you would. Okay, very good. I had a scholarship in music. I was dating a girl that was the drum major, and she had a scholarship at the same school, and I didn't really pray about it. I wasn't really close to God at that point. At that point, I was going to church every week, sometimes two, three times a week. But I found myself with one foot in the world and one foot in church, one foot doing my own thing and another foot trying to hear God and wanting more of him. So I was offered this scholarship in Hammond, Louisiana. And so I went to Hammond, Louisiana, a confused yet lost 17-year-old boy. And within three days, I could already see exactly what the direction of my life was going to go. I could tell that this group of people, it was a distinct choice that I had to make of whether I was gonna follow God with my life or I was gonna go the way of the world. And after three days, I was like overwhelmed with this choice. And I can remember looking in the mirror of the dorm that I was in. And I felt the Holy Spirit so strongly speaking to me, saying, Glenn, if this is what you want, you can have the world, but you will always feel lost, empty, and you'll never be what you've been called to be in me. Or you can get in your car and drive back home and start plugging in, totally surrendered to God. Let me tell you, I called my mom that night. She answers the phone in tears. I'm in tears. I said, Mom, I don't know what to do. I feel like I need to come home. She goes, get in that car and get home right now. Hey, the prayer's up. Hey, thank you, Mom. Good advice. But in our flesh, it didn't make any sense. I had a college scholarship. This is an opportunity. What am I going to do with my life? It makes no sense. They had going away parties for me. And I'm going to be gone for eight days? Hey, thanks for the party. My dad was so proud. He had a son going to college. And I, and I, I document this in my book. And my dad made this quote. He said, I took my son to college and he almost beat me home. <laughs> but I want you to know, when I came back, I really started going to church more. And it was much more than church. It became... This is the direction I want to go, but I don't know exactly how to do it. But I was hungry. And so I was going to church whenever the doors were open. And I can remember probably about two or three months after me returning from Louisiana, it was on a Sunday night, 
in the 12th floor of an office building in downtown Clearwater, which was the third location of Countryside Christian Church. And the pastor gave a rousing message that stirred my heart and I knew I needed to respond and my heart was beating out of my chest. You ever have those moments where you know the Holy Spirit is on you and speaking to you? It was one of those moments. And he closed out the service, had the altar call, people got saved. And my, I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. Whew. And then the pastor said, there's one more person. I'll never forget this. There's one more person that God is calling out of where you are to get moving to where he wants you to be. And I'm like, oh no, then the heart rate's going up. Thank God I didn't have an eye watch back then because it would have been like, give me an alert, 911 or something. But I did like many of you do during the altar call and people are raising their hands, I did the. And, and when I looked up at Pastor Lloyd, his hands and his eyes were right on me. And I walked down that altar that night and I surrendered everything to Jesus. Everything that I had. I said, Lord, whatever my life looks like now, it doesn't matter. I want to serve you fully. And it was there. I didn't feel judged. I didn't feel like I was being pointed down to. So many people, they say in church, they feel like they're pointed down to. They're made to feel shame and feel bad. You know what I felt when I was at that altar? I felt loved. I felt accepted. I felt care. I felt literally the arms of Jesus wrapped around me saying, you shy, introverted kid, I've got a plan that's so special that's just for you. Take me by the hand and get ready because it's gonna be a journey. You know what God's saying to each one of us today and you as you're watching this message? God's saying to you, I love you so much. I've got a plan just for you. I'm not gonna condemn you, I'm gonna lift you up. I'm gonna forgive you, I'm gonna show you grace and I'm gonna place you to that place that I've called you to walk in a place right next to the Father. You see, it wasn't rules, it wasn't religion, it wasn't fear. See, our flesh says we're never gonna get it right. We're never gonna get it right. Oh, I failed, I failed. That's exactly what the enemy wants to scream in your ears is that you're a failure, you're never gonna do it right. But God says, I made you fearfully and wonderfully made with a plan to change the world in your world, in your place where God's called you to walk. So what did Jesus do for me? He stripped himself from glory in heaven. He was born of a virgin in poverty, in a cave. He was rejected. For so many people, they, they feel lost, they feel afraid. But Jesus came, gave his life, rose on the third day for a sinner like Glenn Davis. He loved me right where I was. He forgave me right where I was. And he saved my soul. Jesus! My king. You see, people ask me, why are you so passionate on Sunday morning? Every week you get so stirred up. Let me tell you why. 
It's because every week there's someone that gives their life to God. You see, so many people, they come to church. It's not about church attendance. What happened to me that Sunday night, it went from church attendance to I fell in love with Jesus. I know him. Why do I get so stirred up and passionate? Because I want you to know him like I know him. So let me tell you about my king. Jesus, he's not a distant God. He's not an angry judge. He's not the man referred to as the man upstairs, the big guy in the sky. Jesus isn't your homeboy. Jesus isn't that eight pound, six out, newborn baby Jesus. He is the righteous King of kings and Lord of lords. He is a king like no other. That is our King Jesus. Can we all stand together? We're gonna worship in just a moment. But let me tell you about my King. He's the King that gave his life for us. He's the King of glory, the King of righteousness the king of ages, the king of kings. He heals the sick, he opens blind eyes, he heals deaf ears, he strengthens the weak, delivers the captives, restores the broken. He's our shelter in a time of trouble. He's a light when the world is dark. He's the prince of peace, the lamb of God, the alpha, the omega, the resurrection and the life. That's my king. His goodness is indescribable. His power is incomprehensible. His grace is irresistible. At his name, darkness trembles. In his presence, demons flee. Though the devil hated him, he could not stop him. Death couldn't defeat him. Grace couldn't, grave couldn't hold him. Jesus is king. I want you to know this Jesus like I know him. The prayer of my heart, church, is that we will not oppose him that we will not ignore him, but we will surrender our lives to him. Jesus Christ, the only one worthy of all of our praise. Church, let's worship our King of Kings and Lord of Lords.
praise you, Lord. Can we all bow our heads and close our eyes just for a moment? I just want to ask you, do you know him? Not about him, but do you know him? Do you know him as your king, as your savior, your God? Do you know him as a friend that sticks closer than a brother? Do you know him as that, that man that is right there with you when you are in the depths of despair? Jesus is right there with you. Do you know him? You see, it's not about church. It's not about religion. It's about truly knowing Jesus as your Lord. To get off the throne of your heart and put the king, the king of the universe on that throne in his rightful place. Do you know him? Before we leave today, I'm just gonna ask you if, if you want me to hold you up in prayer, if you want this the day where just like I had is the Holy Spirit, is he speaking to you? Is he, nobody comes to the Father except for the Spirit, draw them. So is the Holy Spirit doing a work on you just like he did on me when I was 17 years old to, to get out of religion and to get into relationship and to fully commit my life fully to Jesus Christ? This is your time. This is your moment. First service, dozens of people said, today's my day. When I count to three, I'm gonna come down because I wanna see. But if you can't raise your hand up in a, a room full of believers boldly, it's gonna be very hard for you to walk boldly in the world. So this is a day of boldness. This isn't a day of fear. This is a day where you're saying yes, yes to God. If that's you, when I count to three, will you just raise your hand up high? Because today is your day. Bible says angels are rejoicing. Hands are already going up. One, two, three. Raise your hand up high if that's you. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Raise it up high. See your hand and yours and yours and yours and yours and yours and yours and yours. Wow. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, I see your hand. Yes. Jesus is your king. And today, church, I don't know about you, I'm getting a little bit of Jesus fire inside of me that is excited about what God is doing in the hearts of people right now. So will you, will you pray with me for the sake of all those, and there were dozens and dozens of hands, will you pray with me for all of those that are surrendering to God today. Lift up your voice. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you did for me on the cross. You gave your life so that I would have life. Today, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Take that rightful place on the throne of my heart. Because today, I accept you, Jesus, as my Lord, my Savior, my God, my King, and my very best friend. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, let's rejoice at what the goodness of God is doing. Wow, what a powerful and beautiful message. So to receive your blessing today, would you just lift your hands or maybe turn your palms upward in an attitude of receiving. May you be blessed by the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the King 
who became a servant. He blessed you. The king who took hold of the powers that wanted to get their claws on you and dispelled them. The king that took all your sins upon himself and rose from the dead to give you new life. May that blessing be upon you. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you so much, church. Have a wonderful Sunday.